Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Marxism Podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Mark Jarrett. And today I have my very first returning guest, Nick Patiris, because uh, he couldn't get enough of the first time when he was on the show. But uh, you, re- you may remember Nick from a previous episode on the future of Canada's cannabis industry, which I, of course, would also recommend checking out as it touches on Nick's background and his endless knowledge on the cannabis industry. And since we are roughly a week away from legalization, Nick actually contacted me to do another episode, and uh, which was very nice of him, of course. And we are going to talk mainly about the projects he has going on coming up to legalization. So, Nick, welcome back. Thank you very much. All right. Well, you've been, uh, you've been bouncing around a fair amount. Uh, it's almost hard to know actually kind of where to start, but one thing for sure that caught my interest was your course that you have, I guess, started at George Brown. And how did this very, uh, how did this very unique, different kind of course come about? Yeah, so I think a few months ago now, probably going back about a year, I recognized that there was a great appetite for learning about the cannabis industry, as I think we've seen with more and more media outlets cover it more broadly and have dedicated uh, journalists who write only about cannabis. And I figured there's probably a lot of appetite in the public to learn more about what the industry looks like, where it's moving towards, and just basically get a better sense of the social experiment on which we're about to embark. And so when I did an audit of downtown campuses, downtown universities and colleges, there were really no universities or colleges at the time offering anything uh, like a business of cannabis course. Mm -hmm. And so I figured it was a great opportunity. So I had a friend who uh, had taught at at, uh, George Brown before. And so, you know, he put us in touch. We started playing with the idea a little bit. And then uh, before I knew it, I was actually drafting up the curriculum and spent basically all summer actually uh, putting in the work to produce uh, the course material and now we're at a place where uh, you know we're actually running the course one weekend a month for this uh, this semester mm-hmm. yeah I actually saw that online I took a look did yeah. some background research it seemed like as I said very unique so do you know of any other courses like this in Canada or is this the first one are you a pioneer no so there, <laughs> there definitely are some other courses so there is for example several cannabis uh, business related courses at um, a university called Kwantlen, out where they're based out west, but it's basically accessible online for anyone. Different to uh, ours or what we're doing at George Brown because ours is taught in a classroom setting. And so we've launched ours, you know, our first uh, edition was in September. Actually, Ryerson University launched a similar course at exactly the same time. Again, there's a slight difference in the way it's structured. So Ryerson's course, for example, spans the entire uh, semester. It's three hours every uh, every Tuesday evening, I think, mm. whereas ours is intended to be taken just over the course of a weekend. So it's all day Saturday, all day Sunday. Um, I think the way we've probably built it is a bit different as well. Um, and so, yeah, there's some new some nuances, but there are a couple other universities and colleges starting to step into the, the cannabis space um, from the business side of things. Mm-hmm. From the growing side, learning, for example, how cannabis is cultivated, there are a number of uh, colleges actually already teaching this. There's a couple in the Niagara region. Um, I think 
one or two colleges out east also have courses that are dedicated to teaching people how to actually grow cannabis. But this would be amongst the first on the business of cannabis, helping people understand what the industry actually is. So is there anything you would suggest to people who want to, uh, what should people know before they enroll? And should they have any prior knowledge to enrolling, prerequisites, whatever the case might be? I think it is definitely helpful to have some understanding of business at a high level, um, but it doesn't need to be fairly uh, in-depth. So the idea is that people come in and they want to learn about uh, the business of the cannabis industry. What that means is that we assume while there is some limited business knowledge on their part, there's almost no knowledge of cannabis itself, whether that's plant botany, history, um, or also just what the actual industry looks um, and how it operates today. So the idea is for people to come in and, and not just leave cannabis literate, but actually leave feeling cannabis fluent, i.e. you can actually walk into a conversation with someone who works in the industry um, and hold your own in that kind of conversation. You're familiar with all the large trends, um, you understand what obstacles the industry faces and where the opportunities lie. Um, so f in terms of what people can expect and what they should know, I would say that it's fairly open to anyone. It's you know an introductory course. Um, at the same time, I would say what they can expect is um, a navigation of all the important themes across the industry um, uh, from the uh, medical market to the adult use market and even looking ahead to beyond year one in Canada to the international scene as well. Hmm. Cool. So when you decided to start the business aspect of it, did you think that you wanted to shed light on something that had there's a lot of stigma on where people kind of thought the cannabis industry is uh, maybe black market and, and um, illicit. Uh, did you kind of just want to shed light on that? It's not as uh, uh, dangerous, for a lack of a better word, than people might think. I think one of the objectives is definitely to have uh, learners understand how professional the industry is. Um, the the black market or the unregulated industry obviously you know plays by no rules and therefore it is as uh, chaotic and um, as unregulated as you might expect the regulated industry is very tightly regulated so you know there are very strict uh, security requirements on growth facilities for instance uh, very very strict standards on quality assurance and, and product testing and so on um, so the regulated industry is actually uh, fairly advanced by way of uh, the regulatory framework uh, it has to navigate. So I do want people, I do want learners to kind of understand that. The idea really is for anyone who wants to either uh, participate in the regulated legal industry, whether that is at an entry level position or at a, a more senior experienced level, that this is a good course for them to understand how to actually think about entering the legal cannabis market. Um, at the same time, we also, for our last uh, run of the course, we had a number of people who were looking to um, be entrepreneurs in the space, set up their own businesses. Maybe they were thinking ahead to edibles or when uh, consumption lounges will eventually be legal. Um, but their idea there is just to understand what is this new world? What is a legal cannabis market actually look like? What types of things do I need to understand and know before I take the next step in my career path, whether that's setting up my own shop or actually joining a, you know, an existing business in the legal space? Okay. Do you, uh, you obviously will uh, describe, uh, just lay out the facts of the cannabis industry, but do you also 
um, mentor people on how to get into the industry or is it not that type of course? We talk a little bit about uh, what skill sets would be beneficial for particular roles and particular companies in the industry. Uh, we talk a little bit about you know uh, certain jobs that are in high demand in the industry because the industry has difficulty attracting some of them. Um, at the same time, I'm also very clear about where industry has an overabundance of applicants uh, for particular jobs, which is definitely the case now because cannabis is obviously you know the the new shiny industry that everyone wants to be part of as we exit. 95 years of prohibition so we talk a little bit about that it's not as much you know a, a resume building workshop really it's really to discuss the themes and in and material that are basically a, a knowledge download exercise to be able to engage in a conversation with let's say a prospective employer okay having taught you've taught the course right yeah okay so if you've taught it are there anything that anything uh while teaching that has made you brainstorm some new ideas about the industry or have you kind of like retaught yourself uh, or taught yourself new things i think one of the biggest takeaways for me i mean recognizing that as someone who is so close to the industry this is basically all i live and breathe every single day and have done every single day, seven days a week uh, for the last two years almost. One of the things that really opened my eyes when, when the learners came in was noticing what topic areas they actually latched onto and wanted to discuss most. So for example, impaired driving was one where, you know, I thought that there was gonna be a certain amount of time uh, that we could allocate and cover that topic, but it turned out to be a really uh, a subject of passion for many people. Uh, the idea of what impairment actually is is another one. Um, a lot of people were very interested to know about the medicinal properties of cannabis. Some people didn't know how many different conditions and symptoms cannabis is actually used for. So you, what it taught me was for the, the, the person on the street, the, those people who were not in the industry but curious to learn more, where they actually latched on to particular topics, particular subjects, and felt that, like they wanted to unpack it more. Very eye-opening to me. Mm -hmm. Out of curiosity, what's the issue with uh, what's what's the issue with impairment? So the issue right now is that we don't have a legal definition for impairment. Right. So on the roads, as of the seventeenth, we will have a device that's been approved by the government. It's called the Drager Drug Test Five Thousand, okay. made by a German manufacturer. Um, but there are some issues with it. I mean, notably, it doesn't actually test for impairment. What it does is it tests for THC levels in the blood. Issue there being THC can actually remain in the bloodstream for several days. And if you're a chronic user, it may be even longer than that. So in theory, you could consume cannabis on a Friday. And on a Monday, you could be you, you know, fined for or punished for impaired driving, even though you, know, you may have swerved, let's say, because you sneezed, for example, mm. uh, rather than it being due to the THC in your bloodstream. THC is the active that gives cannabis a lot of its, uh, its impacts on the, the brain and the body. So that's one of the issues with impairment is that right now we don't actually have a legal definition for that and the, the threshold is really a, um, a per se limit based on how much THC you have in the blood. So there's gonna be a lot of court cases that fall out of this as a result. We don't have a device that's actually gonna test for impairment, it's just for THC in the blood, which impacts everyone differently. Huh, wow, I didn't know that. There's a, there's a, there's a few issues with the device as well actually that fall outside of uh, the category of impairment. Another is, uh, for instance, that there are a decent amount of false positives and false negatives. It's about 14% on both sides. 14% of uh, positive results are actually false. Same with uh, false negatives. And then on top of that, the device is said to not work very well in the cold. So how does that work for a country where you know we have very 
poor, uh, you know, very, very cold winters, um, as well as in the territories where it's cold most of the year. Um, the device is said to be faulty in temperatures below a certain threshold. So that is another problem for police on the roads trying to keep the roads safe. Wow. There isn't anything you don't know about the marijuana industry, I feel. Anytime I talk to you, you know you can answer every question. It's That's definitely not true, but okay. I, I know. But again, this is this is an industry I've been studying for two years and participating right. in uh, for two years too. That's yeah. That's I knew nothing about that. So with the course, uh, was there any stigma at all when you uh, were trying to get this up and running? With George Brown, you mean? No, just in general, because you said you looked at other colleges. I think, right? Yeah, I don't think there's any stigma. I think. No, I, I didn't feel any, I didn't hear or, or, you know, wasn't the recipient of any pushback from people who said you shouldn't have a course like this. You know, I'm, I'm morally opposed to it. I, if anything, I think it's been trying to um, have people understand the professional degree to which we've, or the professional approach that we've adopted in building it and teaching it. It's really about, you know, representing the industry in the most representative way, which is that this is a professional sector um, with a lot of money and, and big market caps at a great uh, career opportunity for many people who want to see that upward trajectory. So um, in terms of stigma, no, nothing, at least uh, to my face. Okay, cool. So definitely more positives than negatives. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's yeah, good definitely. So you mentioned the territories, and I've seen on your social media, you've been bouncing around Canada nonstop. What has that experience been like and how has different regions of Canada, how are they preparing for legalization? It's a great question. So the reality is the way the Cannabis Act divides the responsibilities between the federal government and the provinces and the territories is that the PTs are responsible for um, all distribution. So they play a role in wholesaling um, and retailing, whether that's uh, allowing a role for the private sector or doing it themselves. Um, they also determine things, important issues like age of consumption or age of access, um, how much uh, you might have in your home, for example. They have the right to restrict home growing. Uh, they have the right to dictate certain um, areas of consumption too. Of course, a lot of this is also in tandem with municipalities. So, you know, province like Ontario, for example, is actually allowing municipalities to opt out of hosting a retail store in their um, in their neighborhoods. So, you've already seen, for example, Markham, Richmond Hill, and Etobicoke all signal that are going to be opting out and not allowing a retail store in their municipalities, at least initially. And in Ontario, you've got until January 22nd for municipalities to actually kind of make that decision. But the real story as we take a step back is that every province and every territory is doing it differently. That is the narrative, which is why it's such a headache for a lot of companies trying to operate the national space, is because all of these issues differ province by province and territory by territory. And so to have a national business that has to play in all these you know, provincial and deal with all these provincial uh, distinctions and nuances is a headache for many. Right. Um, that's what we're looking at right now. So that's part of the reason that I've spent a bunch of time traveling around is, you know, uh, fostering relations with a lot of these, uh, whether it's governments or our private sector uh, partners in uh, the provinces where they can actually play. Um, and it's fascinating because everyone's just up against so many different uh, issues and, and roadblocks. And so it's just our job as a company and, and my job as an individual, I suppose, uh, to just make ourselves as useful as possible. Right. So where have you been in the last 
couple of months, I guess. Yeah, so I mean, it's been a bit of a crazy stint of a few weeks. I mean, uh, at one point I would have been in Nova Scotia for a week um, helping with some of the retail training we're doing there. We, we work with, with that government fairly closely. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago would have gone to Winnipeg for a conference where I was speaking there. This past week I was in uh, Yellowknife, Northwest Territories. Next week I'm actually going to go down to the U.S. Uh, and be in Boston. So it's, you know, every week is different. Um, I've got a couple of trips to Montreal coming up again to follow up on a, on a Montreal trip three weeks ago. It, it's, it's all over the place. Mm. Um, and again, it, it's the, the nature of the, the trips are always fairly different, actually. Sometimes it's to attend a conference. Other times it's a, a client meeting. Um, other times it might just be a bit of due diligence on what the market might look like in that particular uh, province. Right. So in Yellowknife, what was that experience like? And what is going on with uh, their cannabis industry, I guess? Yeah, so Northwest Territories has an interesting, um, an interesting problem in the sense that they actually have, and I, I didn't fully appreciate what a, you know, uh, an issue this was. Well, not an issue, but just like a fact of, of, uh, of life in the Northwest Territories is essentially just that you've got this massive amount of land mm-hmm. and they have to somehow you know, service all the hundreds and thousands of, of communities that make up a, lar- a large part of the northern part of the territory. Um, so essentially, in the Northwest Territories, I mean, they're obviously going forward with legalization. Initially, uh, cannabis is going to be sold through a number of their alcohol outlets, so they will actually be selling it um, uh, through those same stores. Um, and essentially, they need to, uh, you know, they're in the place now of uh, securing supply and making sure people understand that this is the legal route of accessing cannabis rather than the illegal route that they may have otherwise gone. Interestingly, for the Northwest Territories, where they have probably a bit more flexibility is um, on price. One of the biggest problems that the PTs face is ensuring that price is competitive to what consumers can get on the black market. Well, in the Northwest Territories, um, Stats Canada, um, issued this kind of crowdsourced cannabis price portal where consumers would anonymously submit what price they were paying uh, for cannabis. The Northwest Territories had the highest dollar per gram price of illicit cannabis in the entire country. So they've got a bit of flexibility there and they're kind of trying to figure out their pricing structure as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, yeah, that's kind of you know some of the problems unique to the Northwest Territories. Yeah, definitely. I never actually really thought about what it's going to look like up north. Not that I've been up there too much, but uh, I imagine... Yeah, I mean, you know more than me. One so. of the things, yeah, so I was going to say, one of the things for, you know, territories like the Northwest Territories or Nunavut or the Yukon is the whole point of legalization is to give everyone a, a fairly easy access point. Where in a lot of your northern uh, territories, that's fairly difficult if you, unless you want to set up storefronts across the, the region, is to essentially have a fairly robust online shopping channel. But then, of course, you get into the issue of delivery within a reasonable amount of time. Again, delivery where if someone's paying delivery fee, uh, you know, shipping costs, that kind of thing. Again, is that price competitive to the black market where those maybe don't exist? Um, so that's some of the problems that are unique to a big territory like the Northwest Territories where, um, yeah, they're servicing 40,000 people, which is not a huge amount. But it's, again, they're spread over such a vast geography. Right. So kind of back to your course, uh, when you, how similar is when you go to these conferences, how similar are they to like your course? Do you talk about the same sort of stuff or is it always different? It's fairly different in the sense that the course is really um, an A to Z 
catalog of all the major themes and topics you would want to know when you're learning about the campus industry for the first time. So what, what that actually looks like by way of example. In lesson one, for instance, we talk purely about cannabis the plant. And by that I mean plant botany and the different chemical compounds within uh, cannabis, how they interact with the body. Uh, lesson two is solely cannabis history. So the pro political chronology of the plant and why it has such a, a rich uh, culture surrounding it today. So lessons one and two really have very little to do with the business of cannabis at all, but the reason I I thought it was very important to include them was because it lays a foundational base of knowledge which better contextualizes the subsequent lessons. So lesson three, four, five, and six is where you get into the real meat and potatoes of, of an, the industry today, whether that's uh, license to sale, which is you know lesson three, and that's all the steps between getting a license to actually having cannabis that you can actually sell commercially. Lesson four, which dissects the adult use market. Lesson five, which is all about the medical market. And then lesson six is where we kind of put all of that aside and look at a number of abstract themes. So mm -hmm. I have, for example, the risk of commoditization, um, the idea of what happens to our supply chain when all these other equatorial uh, countries who grow cannabis much more efficiently than us, your Colombians, your Lesotho's, your Uruguay's, um, what happens when they come online and start to challenge us for the first mover advantage we currently hold. So that's kind of lesson six. And that, that you know, uh, from lessons one to six, you probably will cover um, everything you'd want to know as someone who is just stepping into the industry for the first time. Okay, you're giving away your course, you know. You're, you're, you're well, just, it's, you're it's, it's, I mean, the rubric. Yeah, I did lay out the rubric. I mean, that's available online. It's 15 hours, so I'm summarizing it there in 15 yeah. seconds. I'm okay, yeah. I'm comfortable with that. Okay, cool. Uh, out of curiosity, like how popular is this course? Are you getting a lot of a lot of people really interested in There's this? There's a lot of demand at the moment. I think, it, which is you know not necessarily. Although I'd like to take credit for it being you know symptomatic of the course quality, even though you know we did have great feedback after the the first course. It really is a reflection on interest and appetite for the industry, right? Which is why we thought we wanted to launch it around this time because you know interest in cannabis is at an all time high. Yeah. After the seventeenth there'll still be some interest insofar as how things actually shake out and of course we've got uh, edibles and beverages and so on coming in year two they're not going to be available initially but uh, there's going to be a general sigh of I think re national relief I think people have heard a lot about cannabis generally uh, I, I do feel in the interest in cannabis will slowly dissipate as the months roll by really eh? so you think that people are going to be like thank god it's legalized so I don't need to hear about this all the time frankly I feel that way yeah. par par partially because uh, as someone who is a student of the industry and tries to read literally everything and, ev and anything um, by all the major media outlets all the niche media outlets and everything that every brand and company is doing I mean I'm I'm exhausted um, and so if, if you know journalists write about this a little bit less I'm not complaining okay so do you does that threaten your course then if that's the case I mean, I think there will definitely be enough interest to run the course for, you know, at least another couple semesters for sure. I, people, the industry will still grow and so there'll still be more jobs and I think people will still want to step into it. Um, yeah, demand is one thing I'm, I'm not too worried about. Right. Cool. All right. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add about the course that I might not have touched upon? Since Nothing about the course. Are you excited for legalization? Uh, I'm, I'm indifferent. I really yeah, am. Yeah, okay. I'm okay. really indifferent. I... I I don't know really how much of an effect it's 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 gonna be. Okay, yeah. But um, it'll be interesting. I'm actually kind of what you mentioned about the the impaired driving. 
I wonder how that will be enforced with the machine that you were telling me about, um, since it can be occasionally faulty. Yeah, exactly. I, you're just going to see a number of court cases fall out of it. I think um, there is a company based in BC right now that are working on technology that they say can actually measure impairment. Um, I'm not going to name them by name, but they, they're working diligently. And if we get to a place where that's actually what we're measuring rather than THC levels in the blood, that would be much better. Right. Now, are you excited, excited for legalization? I am. I think, yeah, I mean, I am. Having, having you know, in some way, everything and every iota of energy I've spent in the last two years has been working towards this moment. Um, I'm very excited. I mean, you can only think, I've been in this for two years. Mm. Um, you can only think about the people who've been in it for 20, uh, championing for this, for, you know, at risk of their livelihoods, at risk of, of you know, criminal records impairing their futures. So I am very excited. I think that for me, the reason it's such a watershed moment is we are two things. One, we're exiting 95 years of prohibition. So you all of a sudden you're moving from a drug that's been not only outlawed, but has a great deal of social baggage. And all of a sudden you're regulating it, which means in some way you're, you know, you're, you're making it, uh, you're taking a stance of permission, essentially. If you fulfill a certain criteria, age, you know, a certain other behaviors where you're not you know abusing it that kind of thing that will let you purchase and consume cannabis legally um, but then on the bigger scale when you think about the fact that all the rest of the world is watching us so closely and you've got medical markets falling like dominoes in europe and south america i mean we are the prototype for them and so everyone is looking to us as to how it's done and if we do it well then we'll be the leaders for a long time right a lot of pressure a lot of pressure but it's it's a you know fantastic opportunity uh, for us and it's the opportunity you'd want to find yourself in which we do I mean how often does Canada get the opportunity to author the blueprint of a global industry not often right no. and here we are sitting with a blank notebook in front of us and we hold the pen right wow I think that's a good note to, uh, to end it on love it alright great uh, well uh, and what's your course called it is called Cannabis Business Fundamentals. Um, you can find it on George Brown's website. It's yeah. um, under the Continuing Education Department, so I, I should have emphasized that, but it's actually available to anyone. It's not you know, for undergrads, it's part of a curriculum. So if you just Google George Brown Cannabis Course, I'm sure it'll come up in the first few sure results. Sure thing, and I can throw it in the uh, caption. Love that. Yeah, great. All right, well, one of the most interesting men in the world, in my opinion, Nick Pateris. It's been... Uh, it's been great. Uh, please follow, rate, share, like, subscribe, all that stuff that helps me out for the Marxism podcast. And in the meantime, we are out of here.